Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Would you stand with me today in honor to the reading of the word of the Lord? I'll ask you to join me in in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you'd like, you can just sort of hang out here in chapter 25, keeping your Bibles open there. And and, uh, we won't be reading this verse by verse, but I do want the Lord to help us this morning. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25, we'll begin reading at verse number 1. The scripture says, And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him. And they buried him in the house of Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. I want to pause here for just a moment and let us understand perhaps the context of this scripture that Samuel, Samuel who was the man that God used to anoint David to be the next king of Israel. And um, we know that Saul is still alive and David has not yet taken the throne. And so there is this interim period of time Samuel has died. Samuel was the buffer, if you please. He was the protector. He was that spiritual. Um, he was that spiritual gate, if you if you please. And the Bible says, and, and the Israelites gathered together and they lamented, they cried, they mourned for him, and they buried him. And then David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And then and then the the. The camera just completely shifts. It just turns. The scene is altogether different now. In verse number two, and it says, And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail, And she was a woman of good understanding and was of beautiful countenance. And the man was churlish and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. And so we have two different scenes. We have the the loss of Samuel, the gathering and the mourning of people and David arising and going to the wilderness of Paran. And then... And then we have this wealthy man. We have this well-off man with great possessions, a very great man. The Bible says 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. And it was the time of shearing, which was an important moment in the year. And then the Bible says of this man begins to talk about he and his wife. 
and oh how opposed they seem to be from their descriptions. A churlish man and an evil man versus a woman that was of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. He was rotten within and without and she was beautiful within and without. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning from this thought if the Lord will help me and and that is this. Which voice will you heed? Which voice which voice will you heed? Lord, I, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege to stand before this wonderful congregation this morning. I pray for your blessings, Lord, to just be upon us as it has already up to now in this service. Touch our minds, our hearts, challenge our spirits, almighty God. Let the authority of your spirit touch us and let the authority of your word, God, encourage us right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen. And you can be seated. During David's previous stay in the wilderness of Maon, this really was not his first time there. But uh, the, the first time he was there, David and his men had actually, and ironically enough, they had served as a protecting, protecting agent for this man, Nabal, and his men and his herds. And they were standing there as a shield. I mean, they have been a wall of protection for this man. And so, this was really this was really David and Nabal take two in our text today because he was in a familiar place with a familiar man and with a familiar flock the bible says in Nabal that he was wealthy he was a wealthy man but he was not a generous man i've met a few of those amen i've met a few of those they had a lot they had a lot in their wallet but that's where it was going to stay he had a lot in their bank account, but it was not going to leave. He was a wealthy man, but he was not a generous man. And so, when David returned, he's back here in a, uh, he's back here in this same community again. And when he came this time, he was at the time of shearing. And David hoped that somehow that Nabal would remember the fact that they had protected him and his men and, and his herds and. And, and David was just thinking maybe in his own mind, I think it's a fairly logical thought. David was not a presumptuous man, but he, but he was anointed king and, and people knew that he was the next man in charge. And so these men were there and his men were hungry and um, they were not just wanting to die for the sake of dining, they were wanting to die for the sake of surviving. And uh, so he, David's expectations seemed to be logical he wanted to send a few men down to the camp of Nabal and just say, can we, you know, it's, it's shearing time, it's festive time, you're, you're gonna already be eating and I think what David was really driving at is would you mind if we stopped by? Would you mind if we just stopped in for a meal? I mean, you're already gonna have it going, you're, you're already gonna have the fires going and the meat cooking and, and so here's a man with 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats according to what the scripture says it's sure that he could spare a few. He could spare a little bit to give back to a man and his men who had risked their lives to guard them in times past. It was just a common courtesy. It would just seem like 
that Nabal would have said, well, I didn't have any idea you were even in town, so why don't you just come by and your men, join our men. and We've got plenty and we can give to you whatever you need. And so David, not being presumptuous, but David just being on the, the needing end of what he considered a neighborly relationship, David sent 10 of his young men down to explain the situation to Nabal and ask if perhaps we could just get invited to the feast. However, Nabal, this churlish man, this man who, who, according to scripture, the word churlish means rude, and he was evil, and we've met rude and evil people before. Amen. He he chose one of his, uh, one of his, even one of his own servants, even one of Nabal's own servants said of him that he was the son of Belial. His wife even made references that were similar to that. I would hate to think that that people close to me that was their opinion of me, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you hate to think that your own companion would would have that to say about you? And so the Bible describes his nature rude and and evil. And and so these 10 men, they came to Nabal and they presented their case and they they just laid out their cause. And the Bible says that that he railed on them or or he spoke against them. That means he hurled insults at them. And and we'll get specific about that in in 1 Samuel 25 and 10 when these men and said, uh, you know, our, our, you know, David has asked us to come, and he's asked us if we could join this feast. And and here is Nabal's arrogant and pompous and unthinkable response. Nabal said to David's servants, he said, "Well, who is David? Who is David? And and who is the son of Jesse? And if he didn't know David, how did he know his daddy?" Who is David? I don't know. Can't you just feel the arrogance in that answer? And and who is David? I I mean, how could you ask such an insulting question? Maybe you had the opportunity to be in that position at some point when you were speaking to somebody and and, and you're, you're excited to see them and they want to know who you are. When you know good and well, they know who you are. And it was his way of just pointing down and looking down and pressing down. And who is David? Well, you understand that David was the giant killer and David was the man that saved a nation. There was not a child in that area that didn't idolize David because he was the man who saved a nation with just a sling and a stone. And in his ignorance, he took that insult one step further. He said, who is David and who is this son of Jesse and and then he said, you know, I, I got I to gotta flesh this stuff out nowadays because you never know that, that from time to time a servant can break away from his master. And how do I know that David that you're talking about is just not a man that has broken rank and, and he's left home and, and really he's just a slave and you're just trying to hoodwink me into all of that. His words reveal that we are dealing with a man who's arrogant and selfish and rebellious. That was Nabal. Abigail, she recognized David. She knew who David was. She recognized him as the king and she even referred to him as my Lord. Amen, not with a capital L, my Lord, small L. She understood his rank and position 
But Nabal compared David to just a rebellious servant that could have and perhaps even broke rank from his master. Nabal was too arrogant for his own good. You don't have to look really very far past verse number 11 to just take note of all the personal pronouns that that is used in just one verse as Nabal begins to talk one by one ever so slightly putting his own foot in his mouth. In verse number 11, he said, shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shears and give it to men whom I know not whence they be. Amen. Do you hear Nabal? Doesn't it sound very familiar to us today? I, 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 me, me, me. I mean, you can't read this verse without immediately recognizing his pride and his self-arrogance. I have what I have because I get up every day and I go to work. I have this because I have done that and I want to applaud you this morning if you're that man or woman that gets up every day and goes to work. But I need, I need to remind all of us this morning that if we have anything in this world, it's because God paid the road and God made a way. If you have a job to go to, it was he, our creator, that gave us the provision. Amen. If we have if we have more than just a little mush between our ears, amen, I want to thank God for the, for the knowledge that I have, for the experience that I have. I have what I have because I'm a child of the king. I didn't get here by myself. Amen. You didn't get where you are by yourself. The blessings that are in your life. Amen. It's not because of your grandparents or your parents. It's not because it's not because someone smiled on you. It's because he smiled on us. Hallelujah. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I will tell you today, if you don't think you need God's grace, just wake up one day without it. Just wake up one day without it. Oh my my, my, these, these, these young men, these young men had to be shocked out of their minds. They're, these young men had to be embarrassed and insulted, but they had an obligation. I believe these young men possibly could have been infuriated by their response. These young men went back to David and they reported his reply. And I'm gonna tell you that in a moment of time, we see the flesh of David. I don't wanna be unkind here this morning, but I think we should all be able to see a little bit of ourselves in this story because when word got back to David of what Nabal had to say about him, David didn't fall to his face and say, well, we just gonna pray. And he didn't ask them to join hands and sing Kumbaya and maybe the Lord will go before us and build a bridge. But David looked at his men and said, get your, get your swords, amen, get your shields we're going to go take care of some business. It almost seems like David lost his mind. He just flipped out. Anybody here ever flipped out? <laughs> he just swore revenge. Well, if he don't know David and the son of Jesse, I'll go introduce myself. Yeah. I'll write his name in his own blood. When I'm done, he'll know. He won't ever ask this question again. It seems like David just got caught up in something that really was not that serious. And I submit to you that many of us have fallen for things that are not that serious. <laughs> we just let the devil set a trap and we just stepped right into it and we'll give an altar call in here just a minute if we need to and then I'll finish the sermon. But, 
But, you know, here's David. He's got much bigger giants in his life. Right now, at this very moment, he's got much bigger threats, much bigger issues going on. Here is Saul that's trying to take his life. Here's Saul that's doing everything within his power to destroy him. And David has got such forgiveness in his heart for Saul. But just something about this deal with Nabal. I mean, he just lost it. And so he couldn't forgive him. And, and Nabal was so ungrateful and so unselfish. And, 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 and what he's really, what he's done is it's not really a crime worth dying over. This is not worth bloodshed. But somehow this just hit David. Anything ever just hit you the right way? You know, I'm trying to get you all to be honest this morning. I just, this is about the fourth or fifth time I prodded you. You're, you're just sitting there looking all religious. But I think me and the Lord know better. Just every now and then, just something that shouldn't even be a something is just in your craw. And you're almost gonna make a fool of yourself over something that ought not be anything at all. Amen, Nabal was ungrateful and unselfish, but that was not worth this was not worth bloodshed. I mean, this is, we're talking about just a few sheep here. We're talking about just a few for a few goats for crying out loud. But somehow, this lesser crime in the mind of David, it, that insult got in his heart, and David's anger got the best of him. Amen. We see nowhere that he stop and pray. We see nowhere did he consult God and say, "Lord, I need you to help me to have some wisdom." Amen. But he was going to rush out the door and take a situation into his own hands. But I would submit to you today. Day that if David had succumbed to his own anger and committed this terrible sin, amen, it would have marred his character. He was, a, here's a man anointed king. Here's a man, now Samuel has died. Well, what's gonna happen to the word of Samuel now? What about all that anointing out there on the hill? What about saying Samuel saying, this is the man, this is the young man? What about the man that said, Jesse, is this all the sons you have? Is there not yet one more? And when David comes over the cresting the hill, Samuel, anointed of God, said, there he is, that's the one, amen, give me the oil, I'm gonna anoint him, that voice is dead, and so the world is watching to see what's going to happen, David, this is not the time to mess up, this is not the time to get blood on your hands, this is not the time to let your anger get you, this is not the time to let your flesh take control, I'm asking somebody in this house, starting with me, whose voice are you going to heed, amen, there's voice voices all over this world, amen. I will be frank with you, there's voices all in our lives. I gotta decide whose voice I'm gonna listen to. I gotta decide whose voice I'm gonna pause. I gotta decide, I gotta decide what station I'm gonna tune into. I gotta decide who is gonna lead me here because I will tell you there are voices that can speak us into a frenzy and there are voices that can bring us right down. I say, Lord, help me to tune into the right voice in this hour, hallelujah. The world is watching the church. The world has their eyes on the church. Amen. No, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the sign. I'm not talking about our steeple. I'm telling you that the world is watching you on your job. Amen. Your, your lost family is looking at you. We've got backsliders looking at the church right now. I say, Lord, don't let me step out of line. Amen. Don't let me feed my own passions. Don't let me feed my own foolishness. But oh God, I've got to pay attention to what voice I'm going to hear. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I got to be careful what voice I'm going to hear. 
Amen. I got to be careful what voice I'm going to hear. Amen. Had David succeeded, he would have had blood on his hands. There would have been people that would have thought, you know, that was kind of an overreaction to a man that's going to be our king. I wonder where we're going from here. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, the Bible reminds us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, amen, not your adversary, your neighbor, not your adversary, your mother-in-law, not your adversary, your father-in-law, amen, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, amen, seeking whom he may devour. I'm gonna tell you that doesn't just happen on Sundays. That devil's not just after you during revival. The devil's not just after you when you're fasting and praying, amen, the devil's gonna be after you this after, he's after you now, amen, he's walking about, he's walking about right now. He's walking about right now. I gotta be vigilant. I gotta be sober. I gotta be sober. David was a godly man. David was a gifted leader. As one writer said, he's, he, I think he's, I love how he captured this. One writer said, the best of men are but men at their best. The best of men are but men at their best. So that's why we can't trust our heart. I think the Old Testament writer covered that well. You better not trust your instinct. You better not trust your heart. You know, I I know, I think I know at least what people mean when they say let your conscience be your God, but I don't want to let something be my God that has the the propensity to be seared. (laughs) My conscience can lead me wrong. My heart can lead me astray. I need God to be my God because the best of men but are men at their best. And so when the Lord is allowed to rule in our heart and our lives, there are times that he steps in and God overrules. Thank God. That there is an objection from the bench. Thank God that somewhere there's a voice that says no. And he saw David was about to act foolishly and he arranged for a wise and a courageous woman to stop him. This wise woman. Her name is Abigail. I also find it interesting that, that God often in Scripture, and I know if, if, if you attend church here, you hear me say this a lot, or at least from time to time. I, I'm enamored by nameless and faceless individuals or characters in Scripture that sometimes are just mightily and powerfully used of God. Their names are not chronicled. We don't have any idea. We have no description of them if they're tall or short. We don't. We don't know if they're. If, if, we don't know anything about them. But God uses nameless and faceless people, and 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 they come along. Sometimes they come alongside. Sometimes some of the greatest Bible characters of all time. The Bible talks about in one case a man, just for example, that drew a bow at venture and he just let an arrow go right right in the middle of war and God guided the tip of that arrow right to a half inch crevice of another man's armor. Amen, he was right there. Now there's some real big Bible characters in this story but there's also this nameless man. There's also this faceless man that God used mightily and in our story today, here is a nameless and a faceless man that comes right alongside one of the greatest ladies of scripture the Bible just says one of the young men told Abigail what was about to go down. Somebody broke out of the camp. Somebody overheard what was going on. The anger, the rage, they knew 
There's some blood fixing to be in the street. There's gonna be headlines tomorrow. And so they ran out of the camp and they got to Abigail and they told her. And when the young man reported to Abigail the, the actions of, amen, of Abigail, I will, I will submit to you that this young man was as much on a mission for God as any missionary that's ever gone to foreign soil, as any church planner anywhere, as any pastor or evangelist anywhere. Amen, this man was on a mission from God. He knew that he couldn't talk to Nabal. And so he just went to where he knew a listening ear would be and that would be Abigail. And maybe it was the Lord that gave him that intuition that trouble was coming and Nabal and his men would have been defenseless against David's men. There, there's gonna be slaughter here but if David had succeeded in this venture, I repeat this morning, amen, it would have given Saul and all those evidence that David was a renegade, that David was not the man to lead them, amen. But Abigail put together, she said, I know what I'll do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna first, I'm gonna meet the immediate need. I'm gonna feed the men that are hungry. I'm gonna take food and provision. And if you read in your scripture, amen, she began to load up donkeys, amen. She began to load them up and, and she created her own caravan. And she said, I'm going to meet David and I'm gonna feed these men. I'm gonna quiet the flesh. She wasn't stealing anything from her husband. Amen, she was really just paying a debt that he refused to owe, that he refused to pay. Amen, I, I, I'm gonna tell you that she wasn't taking anything that didn't belong to her, but she said, I gotta run down here and make a payment because my husband won't do it because he is a fool. That's what the Bible says. Amen. That's what the word Nabal means, fool. In order to save a little money, Nabal was foolishly jeopardizing everybody in his house and especially his, his own life. In verse 18, the Bible says that Abigail made haste. She took 200 loaves of bread, two, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, <laughs> five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs. I mean, she, she's ready. She came to David with a caravan of food and his men in 1 Samuel 25, beginning about verse number 20, and for about the next 14 or 15 verses, you can read Abigail's apology. And I'm being serious. Several verses cover, and she begins to just apologize. When you read the story, you would have to be blind of understanding not to see that this was a sovereign move of God. I want you to picture this, if you will. David is on one side, one frame over here. Amen. David is gathering his men. They're sharpening their swords. These men are getting amped up. They're ready to go to battle. And at the same time, she is running around and she is dressing, amen, she is dressing those uh, uh, those sheep and, and she's gathering those clusters of grapes and she's getting those cakes of figs. She's getting everything loaded up and God, by his providential hand, God brings these two caravans together and they meet by the way. Who but God? Who, who but God can do such things as these? Who but God? She came to David with this caravan of food. Amen. Right here, these caravans meet. Abigail bows before David and acknowledges him as her Lord and King. Not Lord, Lord. But she acknowledges him as her Lord and King. In fact, she uses the word repeatedly 
in these few verses. Lord, Abigail was a woman of faith who believed that God really had anointed David as the king and he would be their ruler. In 1 Samuel 25, 25, Abigail said, don't regard this man of Belial. There's where she called him Belial. Don't regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Amen. She said, don't, don't worry about this man of Belial because Nabal is his name and, and his name means fool. Amen. She quickly confessed that her husband was a worthless man. I'm asking you men, what would you think if you knew that, that in town that's what your wife was saying about you? And at home she was acting like everything was all right, but her family and everybody else, they know that she thinks you're a churlish man, a rude man, a foolish man, a son of Belial. Amen, it matters to me what she thinks of me. Amen. It would break my heart to think she thought I was Nabal. I'd have to do something immediately to try to turn that around and she thought I was a fool. Amen. Well, it's getting quiet in here for some reason. I'm not real sure why. So I'll just keep preaching and maybe y'all need to talk when you get home. I don't know. But in the rest of her speech... Abigail focused on David and the Lord. Amen. She didn't talk about David and Nabal. She didn't talk about the pending battle. She didn't talk about how many graves it's gonna take. She didn't talk about how busy you're about to make the, 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 the funeral home downtown. Amen, she just said, I'm just gonna talk about David and the Lord. It's also interesting to note, amen, that her emphasis was on David and his future. She was saying, David, you're too good of a man. God's got his hand on you. I'm paraphrasing this, but God's got his hand on you. Amen, you don't wanna mess with this. You don't wanna do this. What, what really Abigail was trying to say is David, don't fool with a fool. Amen, don't fool with a fool. Don't stop. Don't stop. You're the work you're doing. It's what Nehemiah said. We can't come down off the wall. The work we're doing is too great. I'm asking you this morning, amen, how many times are we stopping to fool with a fool? Amen, don't let a fool's voice be in your head. In your head. Don't let a fool's voice be in your spirit. And I say, Lord, I need a voice in my life that I can heed, a voice that has my best interest in mind, a voice that's gonna protect me, a voice that's gonna look out for me. I gotta have a voice. I gotta have a voice that's gonna look after me. Praise God. Praise God. You know from the book of Genesis that, that the woman, the Bible says God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. You remember that story? And he took from his side a rib. That's why you need to be careful when you take a nap, men. <laughs> took from... <laughs> Took from his side a rib, and from that rib created the woman. I'm not here to insult your intelligence, but I want you to think about something with me. The rib, the rib by its very design, it's there to protect our vital organs. Amen. Because you, you can take blows in a lot of places, but there's some things that the ribs are trying to protect that give you life and sustain your life. And I'm gonna tell you that what, what Nabal didn't realize is that he had a wife that was a rib. Amen, he had a wife that was a spiritual protector. I know what the Bible talks about, the man being the head of the house and, and the priest of his home. And we are to be not only a 
literal protector, but a spiritual protector of our home. But men, let me tell you, there's nobody that in this world, even though we're a protector, we need protecting. Amen, we need somebody. That's why God said it is not good for man to be alone. He wasn't just trying to give us a hand to hold. He wasn't just trying, oh, hallelujah. He wasn't just trying to give us a shoulder we could put our arm around. Amen, he wasn't just trying to give us somebody that would vacuum the floor and cook a meal. Amen, and bear children. No, 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 God had a spiritual intent. Amen, when God put that woman in my life, amen, God said, she's not just gonna be your love. Amen, she's not just gonna catch your eye, but I'm gonna put a spiritual protection around you. Hallelujah, God have mercy. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm gonna tell you that when nobody else is praying for me, she's praying for me. Amen, when there is no interceding voice, when there is no interceding voice anywhere, amen, I got a rib, I got a rib somewhere. Hallelujah. Nabal, you're a fool. You can't understand that Abigail is your rib. She's trying to protect you. If you would just listen to her, if you would just listen to her, God. Glory to God. Yes. My. I, I just, I don't know why I feel like seeing this. I say it. I don't know how many times on Saturday night, of course, is an obvious night that I am finishing, preparing, studying for Sunday. And 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 I, I didn't just start Saturday night. I don't want you to think that, but that's when I'm I'm trying to finish up and trying to get it and and I want to tell you there's been times through the years, I cannot even tell you how many times through the years that my wife, I, she would be in another part of the house and I would just be struggling. Amen, don't, don't hold anything against me for being honest and transparent. I'm just struggling trying to pull it all together, just struggling trying to get all the ends to connect God. I know you've laid something on my heart, but I'm just trying to get it to come together and I, I just can't seem to get it to come together. And somewhere in another part of the house, my wife would pick up, amen, just, that antenna went off, a radar went off and I can't tell you how many times Brother Pope, she's walked up behind my chair in the den and laid her hands on my shoulders or on my head and just begin to pray, amen, just begin to pray, God, I'm asking you to open his mind, I'm asking you to touch his heart, I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint him, I hope this is all right with you today, I'm gonna tell you, God has got somebody in your life, God's got somebody in your life that's a voice, they're a rib, they're a protector, they're an intercessor. You need to be careful what voice you heed. You need to be careful what voice you heed. Praise God. Praise God. She must have laid hands on me last night when I wasn't asleep. Amen. The rest of her speech, Abigail focused on David and on the Lord, not on David and Nabal. Amen. Now, as she begins to remind him of that high and holy calling that's on his life, David is putting the sword away. He's calming down. She's talking him out of the rafters. David, you need to see yourself as we see you. I, I, I know my old foolish husband. 
I know he insulted you. I know that, that got the best of you. you. You know, men got an ego big as a Buick, Brother Osborne says. Brother J.H. Osborne says. <laughs> men got a, you know, amen, got an ego as big as a Buick, and that's the truth. She talked him down out of the clouds. He began to realize that she, he's in the presence of a remarkable woman. This, this Abigail, now she's something. And, and in verse 32, she pointed out that the Lord had stopped David from avenging himself. And, and, and David admitted, this is an intercession right here. This is, a, this is an intervention of sorts, if you please. And Abigail admitted that her husband deserved to be judged. He deserves, he really deserves probably what you're wanting to do to him. He, he probably deserved every minute of it. But she said, but you're the king. Don't lower yourself. You're, you're going to have blood on your hands and mud on your boots. You, you don't want this. In fact, she said, the Lord will judge all the enemies of the king. Not just Nabal. The Lord will judge all the enemies of the king. In verse 28, Abigail reminded David that the Lord had given him a sure house that's biblical. <laughs> you got a sure house, David. Don't you be fooling around with a fool because you're going to lose. Through the voice of Abigail, God was reminding David, you don't have to fear the future. God's already secured your future. David, you're safe in what she referred to as the bundle of life. <laughs> he was also reminded that while, while he was safe, his enemies would be hurled out. Now, follow me closely here. Like the stone, David, that came out of your sling earlier when you were just a boy, your enemies are going to be hurled out like that, like that stone. That's what Jeremiah 10 and 18 says. For thus saith the Lord, behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at once and will distress them that they may find it so. You remember that rock? That's how your enemies are going to, they're going to be hurled away. So no matter what the enemy has planned to do, the Lord is going to keep his promises. And David, you're the ruler over Israel. You've got to get your feet back on the ground. And David, you're going to be thankful that you didn't shed blood today in order to avenge yourself. And the Lord is going to treat you well and you've got nothing to fear. Abigail had just one request when she got through. She just simply said to David, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You can find that in verse 31. Just That's all I'm asking. Just remember me. I don't know how this is all going to end. I don't know the outcome. I just ask you to remember me when you come into your kingdom. We may never know the true intentions or really how deep and, and perhaps it's not even fair to assume that, we're, that there were deep intentions to this request, but it seems to me that she knew the Lord was going to look out for her. Perhaps this single request was to serve as a reminder. Maybe it was a word of caution. Maybe she wanted him not to be tempted to take things into your own hands, just here and moving forward. I don't think this was just a one-time lesson, one and done. David was a smart man. He, we know that because he stopped and he listened. He listened to words that were more wise 
than the words and the voices that were around him previously. Now, I don't want to charge anybody foolishly or add anything to the scripture, but we know that David was surrounded by fighting men. And later, even when Saul was caught in compromising situations, there were men, trusted men, trusted men around David that said, come on, David, let's go get him. We can take him. There were voices in his life, trusted voices of war, but that wasn't the voice he needed to heed right then. David cut off the garment of Saul. You know the story. And his heart smote him within just for doing that. Just for doing that. Amen. David would later say in Psalms 141 and 5, Let the righteous smite me, and it shall be kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. You see, how you receive reproof and counsel, that's the real test of relationship. and our willingness to live by his word. David admitted that he was wrong and the Lord forgave him and the Lord worked out the problem for him. But hear, hear me. You see, let's take the camera back to the feast. Nabal, he's over here. (laughs) He's having the time of his life. I mean, they're partying. They're barbecuing. They got wine. They got... All these animals they're grilling and never one time stopped to thank God for his blessings because remember in verse 11 he kept saying, I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 my. Why stop and thank God if it's all yours anyway? You see, Nabal's idea was not to, to praise God or feed the, the homeless or the hungry. His happiness was just bound up and all about Nabal and, and eating the fruit of the land and, and drinking wine till he was drunk. Nabal was like the people that Paul described in Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. I'll ask our musicians to come. Wisely, wisely Abigail waited to tell her husband what she had done. She has met David, by the way. David's put up all his weaponry. They've turned their caravan around and gone home. And now, Abigail, she has one more order of business, Brother Bird, one more order of business. Abigail went and she sat down with Nabal, apparently who was laying down. And she told her husband what she had done. And the Bible says that Nabal became so frightened by the news. The scripture says he lay as a stone. But if you study that, what that really means is that Nabal had a massive stroke and he couldn't even scratch his nose. Because Abigail told David, the Lord will take care of your enemies. Not with a sling, not with a stone, not with a sword, not with a spear, not with a marching army. But God used the same voice. The same voice that stopped David in the way. Sat down at the bedside of Nabal. Said, Nabal, this is what just happened. And God paralyzed him. And he laid helpless for 10 days because you're going to think about this, Nabal. You're going to think about your foolish ways and he left this world. Let's stand.
This is a very sad, there is rather a very sad but profound truth at the center of this story this morning. I'm not trying to just repeat myself for the sake of repeating myself, but Abigail is trying to explain this man she's married. He's churlish. He's unpredictable. He's unkind. He's selfish. He's stingy. He is, David, what his name says he is. And he lived like a fool. And I submit to you today, that he died like a fool. When David heard the news of Nabal's death, he praised the Lord for avenging him and not for the death of Nabal. He praised the Lord for avenging him and for protecting him from what he was about to do to himself. David's concern was for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom and I think it's fair to say that Abigail must have been pleased perhaps, to be set free from the yoke of such an unkind man. You know, in the end, if you know the story, you know where I'm going, but if you don't, I want to enlighten you. That in the end, Abigail's now widowed. David said, you know what? She'd probably make a good queen. I could use that wisdom in our home. I could use that wisdom in my life. And so he sent messengers to ask for her hand. And I want you to hear this, that in marrying Abigail, not only did David acquire a wonderful wife, but he also got everything that Nabal owned. He was just asking for a meal. He just wanted lunch. That's how it all started. That's how this whole weird, nasty story started. Can we just have lunch with you? But because he listened and would heed the right voice, God put this wonderful voice at his side. And he don't just have a few sheep. He's got everything. And I think it's also interesting to note that Nabal's property was situated near Hebron. And that is later where David would establish his royal residence. (laughs) And so he has it all. When you let God fight your battle, he won't just slip you a certificate. He won't just slip you a little $10 trophy to put on your mantle. But when you heed the right voice, God will make sure that when you come out of this, when David opened the door every morning, he looked out, he couldn't help but to think about God, God and his provision. So the question at the center of this message simply is this today. In a world filled with voices, which one will you hear and which one will you heed? David could have listened to the voices of the young men and their report or he could have listened to the voice of reason and been spared much shame. I'm not trying to preach past the moment, but I just, I just, this passage just keeps rolling over and over in my mind. But the Bible talks about Hezekiah in in the book of Chronicles, I believe in um, chapter 32. I'm sorry, if I, first or second Chronicles. 31 ends with uh, Hezekiah doing all the right things. 32 opens begins by saying, and after these things, after he had done all the right things, 
an enemy rose up against him. And he had fighting men around him. And those men said, come on, Hezekiah, we'll take him. We'll snuff him out. There will be nothing left to him but a greasy spot in the road. And the Bible says that Hezekiah set them down in companies of 50 and 100 and spake comfortably to them. Amen. We need voices that can talk us down in our moments of crisis and spare us. Amen. Let's magnify him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.